0: You're listening to Let Us Adore Him, a podcast series that explores Adoramus, the National Eucharistic Pilgrimage and Congress, taking place in Liverpool from the 7th to the 9th of September 2018. Today, we're looking at Eucharistic adoration through the eyes of two young people. Right, it's our third Adoramus podcast, which we're calling Let Us Adore Him, and I'm joined by Mary louise and George. Young people, how old are you both? Do tell.
1: Well, I'm 27.
0: And I'm 25. Excellent. Much younger than me, so you're <laughs> an, an authority on this. Um Let's start with something quite simple. I'll start with you, Mary-Louise. What exactly is adoration to you?
1: Good question. Um, Adoration for me is basically putting myself in a space with God in which he can speak to me and I can just rest in his presence and not have to be anything or even say anything or do anything. And that's quite hard because I like to talk and I like to do things. And really to just let let all the the masks down, let all um, all the worries go and just be there it's a bit like sunbathing no pun intended but um yeah
2: and george brilliant yeah i love the uh, the sunbathing analogy for me it's also it's a uh, a visual reminder of jesus's presence because obviously he's there with us you should be in the presence of god throughout your entirety of the day but adoration it, it's there and it keeps your mind focused on him it helps you to just block everything else out and go okay right i'm giving this time to you lord
0: do you think it's something that's at the centre of your faith, or is it something that's perhaps grown to be more more prevalent in your faith journey?
2: I'd say it's it's grown. It's definitely grown in. When I first became a Catholic, I didn't quite understand it, and just through various experiences with it, I've come to love it, and it's become a weekly part of my, of my life now, at least, so, yeah.
1: I used to actually almost dread it because I'd find it boring, you know, What am I going to do for an hour? Um, i take loads of books along and write and things like that. But actually looking back, it really has actually underpinned my faith journey throughout. It's like a steady um, steady kind of source and inspiration, keeps you rooted. And I can definitely notice the difference when I've not been to adoration for a a week or two. I start to kind of lose my call almost and, yeah, get unbalanced.
0: Do you think there's anything to be said for, and this is how I first came to adoration, I think. I suppose I slightly thought it was for serious Catholics. I don't know why that was. And I was a little uncomfortable going, first of all. I don't know if it was a sort of lack of worthiness or that feeling of a lack of mm. worthiness in some sort of way. When, when I went there and actually didn't try and presuppose what it was and try too hard with it, I found it really did move me. Do you, do you ever have mm. that?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Especially when you're used to um, having quite structured liturgy and church events and that kind of thing. The idea of actually going somewhere, not doing anything can be quite daunting and can seem really hardcore. Like, what am I getting out of it? Um, Where do I fit in this? Um, Yeah,
2: Yeah, definitely. Especially in this um, age of it's just constant distraction everywhere in your Mm. everyday life. You've got your smartphone constantly giving you notifications (laughs) and stuff like that. So sitting down for an hour and just going, okay, right, I'm here. um, It's hard enough as what you would maybe call a serious Catholic, but um, like the first time you go and you just sit down, like okay, right, I've got to actually focus for <laughs> this amount of time on something that and not get distracted. It's yeah, it's hard, but you you grow into it and you
0: come to understand it a lot better. I find. Let's pick that up a bit. As as young people, how do you sort of prepare? How do you experience it?
1: Well, I mean, the, the key thing is making that mental commitment to go each week. That's the key thing. As a, as a millennial, you know, I put it off, or whatever. And again, like George said, you know, we're really busy. Everyone's yeah. busy. Um, so making that commitment. So, you're already mentally, therefore, preparing for it subconsciously. And then really going, and I often go with no expectations. I just go with whatever's on my heart, whatever is maybe niggling away at me. And definitely for the first half an hour, it'll almost be like a tsunami of the various things that I'm bringing to God, of being like, whoa, God, you know, this is what's troubling me. This is what I'd like to do. This is what, you know, this is where I'm at right now. This is me right now. And then for the next at least half hour, it's Him just bringing peace into that and speaking into that. And I definitely recommend giving an hour just because that first half hour does tend to be a bit of a unload. And then I come away and, and even if I haven't got clear instructions and sometimes I'd love them and I, they don't come, something in your heart has changed, things kind of fall into place and settle down and you're like, oh, I know what I'm going to do now.
0: So perhaps, George, it's not prepare, it's experience. Is yeah, that right? Yeah, definitely,
2: definitely experience. Um, I would say um, going on with the whole yeah, the half an hour block of how it works... I would be the same in that it's uh, the first half an hour. I'm just kind of sitting there like all these things distracting you. You are kind of like, what am I going to do? Why am I distracted all the time? I can't focus. Then you settle into it. And then by the end of it, come repositioning, you're like, oh, I really wish I could go on for another <laughs> yeah, hour or so. And
0: exactly. Yeah,
2: exactly. And it's just, yeah, it's not preparing. Um, you can go in with all the books all the spiritual
0: reading you want <laughs> yeah. and in the end.
2: <laughs> Five rosaries. Yeah, exactly. No, it's just sitting there and in the presence of the Lord going, OK, yeah. <laughs>
0: Now yeah. to me, it seems quite intimate actually yeah, um, yeah. and that, that brings its positives and negatives and, and all sorts along the way beautiful thing does it matter whether you're on your own or whether there are other people there? do you experience being in the presence of Christ different in a different way
2: I wouldn't say like especially once you get into it, I wouldn't notice the other people right like, yeah. it's just it it becomes a personal experience, no matter um how many people are there yeah. like I could be maybe in like a small parish church, five people, or at a Youth 2000 event with yeah. 2,000, and in the end, it's still just one-on-one, yeah. one, you and Jesus, so, mm. yeah.
1: I mean, there is definitely, so coming from a 2000 kind of perspective, we do have our big retreats, and like George is saying, you know, we can have up to 2,000 people in a tent, um, lots going on around adoration, so beautiful praise and worship, um, mm-hmm. beautiful prayers, great speakers, et cetera, and there's definitely a space for that, and Jesus is right there in the heart of all that through the Blessed Sacrament but personally I, I do love the quiet times and we have because we have perpetual adoration you can book in for a slot you know 2am in the morning and i've not done this very often but every time i have it's gold and you come in there and it's freezing cold it's super quiet but it is just you and jesus and maybe you know a priest sat over there nodding over his bravery and maybe someone in the corner with a with a sleeping bag um and and the silence then that's when it's super personal the silence literally hums with presence
0: it's beautiful mm. Do you think, though, that perhaps we need to rediscover adoration in our Mm. parishes? I mean, obviously, we do have the Mm. Eucharistic Congress Mm -hmm. in September 2018. And one presumes, you know, part of the trigger for that is to bring adoration back into the consciousness of of our Catholic faith in in these countries.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. I mean, obviously it's already happening in many parishes and I wouldn't want to suppose that it's not. But yeah, just to publicize that even more and really launch a renewed emphasis on this and on how young people in particular are really thirsting for adoration. I mean, if you look at things like night fever, for example, at St Patrick's in Soho, but actually across the UK, um, as well as other countries, and you look at World Youth Day, I was in Krakow. Um, there's this real desire for young people to come into that presence of God And then, I mean, amongst my non-Catholic friends, they're all into yoga and meditation and, you know, mindfulness and all this kind of stuff. So there is that thirst. And it's interesting, one of my non-Catholic friends, she's actually, she says she can tell the difference between like any old church and a Catholic church. She says, there's something in there. There's something, I come into a presence. So there's a desire there. Are we making it open enough to young people? Are we publicizing it enough? It's all very well saying, well, you know, we put it on every week, but there are no young people there. Are you going to the places where they're going to find out about it? The great thing about Youth thousand is it's young people inviting other young people. So really, if you get you know just a few committed young people in your parish, get them really involved, empower them with that, they will then naturally bring people in and spread that word.
0: I think that's very true. I was going to ask you, George, you know from a sort of chaplain perspective, yeah. how, how would you sort of show people, encourage people that you know adoration is something that will really help them and change them?
2: It's all about personal invitation, really, I'd say, even like as a chaplain, um, all you can do is invite people and hope that they accept, um, tell people that you need to come and force them along, then they're not going to enjoy it no matter what. So it's just about making it a something inviting to them in terms of telling them personal experiences with it, telling them how they feel, so on and so forth, and making sure it's available and accessible to them as well. So for students, for example, putting it on at midday isn't useful. No, no, <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, evening, evening sessions, something like that, just making yeah, sure yeah. that it's accessible to them and personal invitation, not, yeah. yeah.
1: And with that, there comes the whole, you know, the community context as well. Mm. So young people, they'll come for God, but they'll also come for their friends and you want to mm. make it an event. So make it fun as well. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know. The, the community is is um, yeah. one of the one of the foundations of, of our of our Catholic life. It really keeps us going day to day. So nothing wrong with going to you know go out for a drink afterwards, or whatever, you know, and let people have those conversations. And actually, they can then unpack what they've just maybe experienced or um, mm. have their own personal experience re- recently, etc. From adoration. Um, so
0: so it's inspiring one another. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Well, you've inspired me. I'm going to take myself down more often than can say that much. Um, that's great. Mary-Louise and George, thank you very much indeed. Thank, thank, you. thank you.
1: Pleasure.
0: And now, our scripture reading.
3: A reading from the book of Exodus. Moses was looking after the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, priest of Midian, He led his flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the shape of a flame of fire coming from the middle of a bush. Moses looked. There was the bush blazing, but it was not being burnt up. I must go and look at this strange sight, Moses said, and see why the bush is not burnt. Now the Lord saw him go forward to look, and God called to him from the middle of the bush. Moses, Moses, he said. Here I am, he answered. Come no nearer, he said. Take off your shoes, for the place on which you stand is holy ground. I am the God of your father, he said, the God of Abraham. Abraham the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses covered his face, afraid to look at God. We end today's podcast with a prayer. Lord our God, may we always give due honour, to the sacramental presence of the Lamb who was slain for us. May our faith be rewarded by the vision of His glory, who lives and reigns for ever and ever. Amen.